And uh, if we could just give them a round of applause for what they do for us and lead us into the presence of God. It's a beautiful thing. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, we come right now to hear from you and just you. So allow for my heart to be yours. Allow for my words to be yours, God. And, Lord, some of us have come here, and we've already felt your presence, and we've felt your love. Now, Lord, we ask that as you've moved in our hearts, that you move in our minds, that we hear your words spoken into us that give us life. Jesus, you are our Savior. Nothing else will do. You are the hope of the world. Nothing else will do. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. Uh, when I went to high school camp as a kid, one, it's a lot different as an adult because you have to make sure kids come home. But anyway, um, but as a kid, when you go to high school camp, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we still go to the same camp that I went to as a kid, so it's fun to watch. There are things that are different, and there are also things that you don't share about high school camp while you're at high school camp with what you, because of what you did at high school camp. One of these things was is that when I went to high school camp, I loved canoeing. But that also shows you my age. Like, that was the extreme adventure sport when we were kids. You're going to get in this metal canoe that weighs 1,000 pounds that you're going to hit your shins against at least three or four times before you get into the water. And then it's gonna, you're going to be out in the water, and it's going to be blazing hot. And so it's just gonna, you're just going to sweat in a canoe, but you're going to have lifeguards tell you don't get out of the canoe. So it was extreme. It was awesome. We, some of us remember those days. But canoeing was the best thing to do at camp at that time, and we would all always canoe and we also knew the rules of what we were allowed to do but what we couldn't do and so uh and so we wanted to break the rules because that's just the natural tendency when you're a teenager and so we canoed out to where we weren't supposed to canoe which was awesome it was on this huge lake and uh there was a ski jump that is no longer there that is why i'm telling the story because i know who's sitting right here they can't do it they can't do it. And so there was a ski jump out there, and so we would canoe out there. The ski jump was also strategically set up where the lifeguards, who are just college kids, you know, but at that time you think they are the most important people in the world, they couldn't see us. And so we would canoe to the ski jump. We would then tether our canoe. We would anchor our canoe to the ski jump, and then we would get out of our canoes and jump off of the ski ramp into the water beautiful, beautiful times. We got really confident in this at the beginning of the week. By the middle of the week, we also got confident in another thing, and that was talking to girls. And so we were like, the only thing that we could talk to girls about was that we could go out and anchor our canoe and jump off a ski jump. And so we got uh, excited, and we got uh, confident, and then we got probably a little bit overconfident. And so we invited these girls to come out to, in the canoe, out to, like, out to the thing, and we tethered up our canoes. We anchored our canoes to the thing, like we did we, every time, and we're like, now check this out. And we're like, look at us. We're awesome. And we're jumping off of the ski ramp, and it's just so cool. And we're like, this is, like, we're at church camp, but clearly this is heaven on earth. You know, this is great. Until you realize for some reason in that moment one of these college kids finally gets wise enough to wonder where the kids in canoes are. And all of a sudden, the good-looking lifeguard, male lifeguard, all of a sudden comes over and starts yelling at us. And instantly we are embarrassed, right? Because we're like, and, and instantly you realize you're not a cool-looking college guy compared to the college guy that's yelling at you and saying that you're not cool. So all of a sudden it's backfiring, right? 
These girls, you know, oh, it's all downhill. But the reason that they knew where we were is because in our overconfidence, we may not have tethered one of the canoes to the ski jump. And that canoe had floated away. And all of a sudden, the lifeguard saw an empty canoe causing great scares for them, but not for us. All that caused for us was heartache. I tell you this story, the only reason, and this is how I'm getting to it, is that we have to ask ourselves, are we truly anchored to the right things? That's it, I've got for you. Show you how cool I am, and then show you how not cool I am. But what are you anchored to? Because it's easy at times in our lives to drift away, just like a metal canoe. We can think that it's tethered to something, but oh my gosh, in a moment, that anchor that we thought was good, if we are overconfident, can just be the gradual waves of life can pull us away, can pull us away from that. We can think there are very good things. Ski jump, this was a good plan. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I don't regret the plan at all. I don't regret those memories at all of jumping off this ski jump into the cold water. But the problem was is that it's not a solid thing to stay tethered to if you don't stone tether to it. But there are good things in life that we can think we can anchor ourselves to that are blessings, but we realize they can't be the thing we anchor our life to. In a world that has many blessings like family and, and jobs and finances and, and, and relationships of friendships and other relationships that are, are more romantic or whatever it may be, these are all good things. But they also, over time, can't be the thing. We've been talking about just simply Jesus over these last few weeks. Just simply Jesus. And who is Jesus in our lives? And we've talked about Jesus as transformer, how he transforms us and he changes us. And we've talked about how Jesus is healer, how he heals us. Today we're going to look at Jesus is our hope. He is our hope in this life. And we have to understand this. Hebrews 6, 19-20 says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. I love that first line. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. What is your soul anchored to in this morning? What is it that you are about? What is it that is causing you anxiety? What is it that is causing you concern? What is it that you know that you push back on it, but for some of us, those addictive tendencies that we, we fall into, what is it that causes our soul to just feel the disrupt of life that allows for the simple waves to just sort of begin to push us away to what from what we truly should be anchored to and in? How does your soul feel? Is your soul filled or is it weary? Is your soul overwhelmed or is it at peace? Is your soul, like most people, eh, mid? Is your soul just sort of in that place where you're not sure what is next, but you're sort of hoping that it all just works out? 
The beautiful thing in this is that Jesus is our hope. And Jesus is our hope. When we see this hope, it is because we have learned how we can anchor our lives solely in him. Now, it's interesting as we begin to look at patterns, uh, and we are, we are all creating new patterns in this world today and new patterns in our lives as we, we go about uh, a lot of times. We're seeing that studies are showing the chaos that is happening in our world today and, and the, all the different things that you can see that are taking place all over the world. When Category 5 hurricanes are just another thing that adds to the chaos, right? Where it used to be the thing. But we're seeing chaos everywhere around every corner. I mean, Coolio passed away this week, guys. Anyway, all right, sorry. I don't know. I do miss, I'm sad about that. I'm sorry. I don't know. Sorry. I just shouldn't have said that. All right. All right. So I'll move on. But it's true. Anyway, but this is the thing is that in this chaotic world and in this chaos time, there's easy moments to drift away. Now, probably for some of you, if you're in the business world or maybe in the nonprofit world even more so, is that you've been hearing this term mission drift. Have any of you heard this term mission drift where you just get off of the mission just a little bit? How, how simple it can happen and how simple you can just go around this. I think this is more of a nonprofit word, at least for me, I've heard it in that. But I just want to sort of read what mission drift ha- is because I think it might be something that we all might be able to relate to in a little bit in, in the moments of chaos in our worlds. Mission drift happens when an organization diverges from its original mission statement when do the moments of greatest temptation when do the moments of greatest temptation to drift typically arise a mission drift happens normally when the organization slowly with little fanfare carries an organization to a new direction the process may not be dramatic and it is not something that happens overnight it happens one decision at a time intentionally or not intentionally a simple decision about chasing, chasing funding that doesn't really fit with the mission may not seem to be a big deal at the time, but after a while, it will add up and skew the original intended mission. I feel like maybe the church and maybe even our walks with Jesus at times can have mission drift, where it wasn't an intentional or unintentional move by us, But over time, we say, well, if I just go over here, or if I just do this, or if this takes place over this thing, over time, we get skewed. Over time, our canoe just floats away. And we find ourselves wondering, what am I even tethered to anymore? What is my soul even anchored in? Mission drift in our faith is a real thing. It's a real thing. And so we need to understand it. John 15, 5. I love this passage. I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. Abide in me. Stay in me. And you will bear fruit. When we are anchored in Jesus, fruit will come. We will be nourished by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We will be filled to overflowing when we stay anchored in Jesus. This is what is important. The great church hymn that we sing, uh, not here because, well, we sing other songs. But anyway, it is a great church hymn, and I love it. I hear it, and I get those hymns. If you grew up in the church, you know what I mean. But when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. 
The thing is, is that we can sometimes just mission drift away from Jesus, but there's also times when we have dark nights of the soul. And the storm hits us, and grief like waves crashes down over us, and we can become mad at God. And it is in these moments that even when the storms may come, that we choose to anchor our souls in Jesus, the only one. And this is where we need to be in understanding who Jesus is as hope. We are all hope-filled people. We want hope. Enough of you all had hope enough to think the Colts could actually beat the Chiefs, and they did last week. I wasn't one of them, but oh my goodness, right? But often we can cheapen hope to something small or little, but Jesus is a hope that passes everything. The hope of transformed lives, the hope of miracles, the hope of healing, the hope of all these things that can take place. God has the power to do them through his son, Jesus. And Jesus is that hope in this life and the next This is powerful for us to understand. And this is something that we can only live into this hope if we begin to say, I am tired of mission drift. I'm tired of the storms. I want Jesus to be my anchor in this life. Jesus' hope happens when we choose to anchor our lives into the living God. This is it. And the temptation will continue to be to allow for something else that is shiny and looks nice in the moment to be our anchor. But we only have got this window to do something like this. We better do it. No, that is a false anchor. That will disappear over time. Jesus will not. Jesus is yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to be your anchor. He will anchor you in this life. Scott Saul says this, If your hope is anchored in Jesus, the worst case future scenario for you is resurrection and everlasting life. (laughs) Oh, that sounds bad. Oh, man. But it's true. This is our hope. This is what should excite us. This is the thing that when we can, we can fall into many people promising us stuff uh, that, that we think can be our hope. If, we, if you take this career path, you'll have the life. If you get this degree, you'll have this great, this great job and great title. If you, get, if you marry this person at this time, if you invest this much money, if you vote for this person, if you wear this brand, if you drive this car, if you take this drug, all of these things can be these false promises, but they can sound good in the moment. But the only promise that has ever stood the test of time is the promise that Jesus is our hope our everlasting hope. And let us put our trust and our faith in him. So today, friends, what are you anchored to? What are you anchored to? What is it that sounds good to anchor yourselves to? And the only answer to this is that the only right answer to this is Jesus. But before you can anchor your lives to Jesus, you have to detach what you have been anchoring your life to. What are the shiny things that this world has to offer that you think you have to have? What are the things that you wish you had because your neighbors have them? Oh, if I could just go on that vacation. Oh, if I could just have that type of car. Oh, if I had that career trajectory. If I had that spouse. 
What is it that you're anchored to that you need to let go of so that you can anchor to Christ and Christ alone? 1 John 2 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. As we wrap up today on just talking about Jesus, don't worry. I'll talk about Jesus next week too. We just won't label it Jesus anyway. Is Jesus your hope? That's all he wants. And if you ask the question, but do I have the faith to allow for Jesus to be my hope? Let me give you this answer. Yes, you do. Do I have enough? Yes. Yes, you do. Is it costly if I don't put my hope in Jesus? Yes. Yes, it is. But what if I have a few things on the side? That means they're anchors to you. And just like that ski ramp that's no longer there, that stuff will no longer be there either. To have hope in Christ means you risk everything in this world. To let Jesus be your anchor. To let Jesus be your anchor. Be tethered to that and that alone. Would you pray with me? We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. There are many things that we can pick to follow, but we need you more. We need you, Jesus. That's our prayer. Right now, in in the stillness of our hearts, if if we know what we really truly are anchored to, if we can name it, just in the silence right now, let's just name that to you. Lord, take that from us. Take it from us. And now, and now let us declare that Jesus, you are our anchor. You are our anchor. We're tired of of drifting. We're tired of the storms that seem to push us to the sides. We just need you. So come and fill us. Let us put our faith in the Savior. Let our souls be filled with your goodness. And let us walk with people of great hope. For Jesus, you are hope. In your name we pray. Amen. As the band come forward for our final song, we're going to take communion uh, this morning. And uh, I know over the last few weeks, I think I've been a bit confusing. So this is the plan, the game plan for communion. The band's going to play. We're going to sing and praise Jesus. And then, as you come forward, you're going to take your communion cups because it's nice to come forward and receive. But then you're going to go back to your seats and you're going to wait. Then... 
Jared will give me a microphone again, and I will bless the elements together, and we will take the elements together. There's beauty in the unity of Christ. If this is your first time here, just ignore everything I said and just look around and see what other people are doing. But that's what we're doing. So let us stand right now and let us worship Jesus for he is good and let us come and receive communion. Here at the branches, all who believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord is welcome to come and receive the elements. Come and receive Jesus this morning. Holy God, as we leave this place, this is the most important part. We enter into the mission field to take your love and to take your light. We have met with you, so let us now share Jesus to all we come in contact with. Go with us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go with Christ.